Welcome to today's Ask the Expert call. Now, without any further delay, let me introduce to you today's host, David Molman with Align Technology. David, you have the floor. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, The Tale of Three Dentists, The Evolution of Invisalign and Comprehensive Dentistry with Dr. David Galler. You will earn two C hours for attending today's programming, and you will receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor site account. Please note you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance for unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign Doctor site, where you may also access archived versions of all our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. David Galler. Dr. David Galler received his dental degree from the University of Pennsylvania and has a cosmetic dental practice in Manhattan, New York. A general practitioner, he is the top 1% Invisalign provider, and his unique IPR technique called GST, or Galler Spacing Technique, is used by more than 4,500 dentists worldwide. Dr. Galler is the president of the American Academy of Cosmetic Orthodontics, and he has presented at the Greater New York Dental Meeting the Yankee Dental Meeting, the California Dental Association, JDQ in Quebec, Star of the South Dental in Texas, and the Chicago Midwinter Meeting. Dr. Galler's Top 10 Things That Can Go Wrong is the most downloaded webinar on the Invisalign Doctor Site Education website. He's also known as the Wolf of Wall Street to Invisalign doctors all over the globe. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Dr. David Galler. Dr. Galler, you now have the floor. Good afternoon, Invisalign Nation. Dave Galler here coming live to you from New York. Nice chance to do a webinar on a Friday afternoon, show you a little bit about the dental world and what's going on with Invisalign. Love the webinars. Very easy to stay home and just talk on the phone, but better than getting on a plane and getting somewhere and all the delays in this mess. Today's course is called The Tale of Three Dentists. And I want to show you in the hour that we have together how as a simple general dentist in a practice in New York, I'm able with the power of Invisalign to act as an orthodontist, a prosthodontist, and an oral maxillofacial surgeon. And all I ever use is just a piece of plastic and some ingenuity. And if you could take a look at these three cases, you'll see that just as a general dentist in 2016, we can accomplish things that would in a previous generation been the work of a prosthodontist or an oral surgeon or an orthodontist. And I want to kind of share those cases with you and kind of open your eyes to what is possible with Invisalign. Now these three cases are pretty extreme and pretty dramatic, but the beautiful part of it is that they're all based on very simple Invisalign concepts. And with just the slightest bit of know-how with Invisalign and a couple of tricks, everyone can do any one of these three cases in their practice tomorrow. That's the beauty of Invisalign. It doesn't have to be complicated to be dramatic. With very simple fundamental principles on certain cases, we could do very dramatic results. Everything I'm saying today is my own opinion. Statements, views, and opinions expressed in the program are related to course serials or those of the speaker. Align Technology may not endorse such statements, views, or opinions, and attendees are responsible for the legal and regulatory compliance of any marketing and referral programs. 
that's a picture of me. That's dentist number one. So I'm just a regular GP dentist, cosmetically oriented, practice on Wall Street in downtown Manhattan. But when I have Invisalign in my hands, we are super aggressive in how I've earned my nickname in the Invisalign circles, as many of you know, as the Wolf of Invisalign. Practice on downtown Manhattan, right near the Wall Street area. Uh, 150 Broadway, 120 Broadway was the building that was in the movie uh, early on with Matthew McConaughey and Leonardo. Uh, I also look a lot like Leonardo DiCaprio, so many people kind of mistake on us for the Wolf Invisalign. But the Wolf Invisalign loves to do Invisalign, and that's pretty much all I do every day in my practice. And I have associate to my partner doing some of the other dentistry. I just live, eat, and breathe Invisalign all day long. I uh, couldn't be a happier dentist for it. Um, there's my Wolf Pack. A lot of my crew out there um, love training dentists and love being a part of the Invisalign educational team. This is a picture of me, and that's me with the red arrow pointing to me and my trademarked Wolf Invisalign T-shirt that you know we give out to the team when we have them come. This is us in Costa Rica going down to visit the Invisalign facility there, and. Wolf Invisalign does a lot of Invisalign and loves Invisalign, but we also know how to have a good time. And when we go down to that facility down there, we have a really good time. This is something called zip lining, which is pretty much the major thing that you do when you go to Costa Rica is they kind of tie a string between two trees in the middle of the rainforest, and then you just kind of swing from one to the other like that. And the cool part is they're like, uh, last time I went, they were like, oh, you know, my helmet didn't like snap all the way through and they were like, I was, you know, telling the instructor, you know, my helmet's not going on. I, you know, these helmets seem important. Everyone's wearing helmets. And he said, sir, don't worry about the helmet. If you fall, you're dead, you know, because it's like a 2,000-foot drop from the top. So that gets the blood pressure going a little bit, but we like to have a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully if you become part of my training team out there, and I do train doctors every month in this country in live courses, uh, we can have you come on out to Costa Rica with us. When I'm not just regular GP, tail of one dentist, or the Wolf Invisalign, tail of two dentists, I do have another job out there in the world, and that is the job of Invisalign Man. Yes, sometimes with Invisalign, I feel like I am a superhero, and I fly around New York looking for people's teeth to fix all the time. And anytime I see teeth anywhere on one of the presidential candidates or anybody speaking or any movie, with anybody in it, and I see crooked teeth, it makes me crazy. And I'm on a personal quest to straighten every single set of teeth in North America, whether they're close to my office or whether I could train other dentists to be their dentists and train them. I'm on a personal mission across this country to straighten everybody's teeth. That's a little bit about me and who I am and what I like to do. Let me show you a little bit about what I can do for patients. So. These are three patients we'll see every day. And I always ask people, you know, I'm a regular general dentist. You know, we have maybe 20 to 30 cleanings a day coming in and out of the office. And I always say to hygienists when I meet them at courses, I was like, if you had to put a number, you know, you saw 30, this office saw 30 patients today in hygiene. How many of those patients, when you lean back and they smile at you, you're seeing crowding, spacing, crossbite, an open bite or something. And, you know, you speak to enough hygienists, it's unbelievable. I put that number somewhere in the 90s. It's, all, I don't, it's rare that I see someone whose occlusion is perfect, whose crowding is gone, whose spacing is gone, who doesn't have a crossbite or an open bite. Um, you know, I put that number in the high 
you know, 80s, even 90%, which is just incredible opportunity for us. And it is, it is the best time to be a dentist, as far as I'm concerned, in this country. And if you know how to do Invisalign and you're confident with it, I think it's the best time in all of dentistry history to be a dentist and to be trained in Invisalign. So let's take a look. Tell me if you've ever seen a case like this. This is someone who comes in with an omega-shaped arch. This is someone in their late 30s who's part of my uh, – this guy's actually in his uh, late 20s, uh, late 30s, excuse me, as I said. And, you know, that premolar tooth, for whatever reason, is just not in the right spot. It's kind of bumping in. And you can imagine it gives my hygienist fits when she tries to scale and replane around that tooth. And that area is always real inflamed, and the pocketing is not good. And it's just a real perio nightmare. Also, doesn't look great. Patient's kind of doing a lot of wear on his molars because they're really not occluding on that tooth. Call that tooth number 20. Picture's reversed a little bit. Um, and just not a good situation. But honestly, if you're a general dentist, like, what are you supposed to do? Imagine, I, I meet this guy. He's already 35, 36 when I meet him. And I'm like, uh, how are your teeth? And he's just like, okay. And I said, do you have any problems? He goes, no. And I was like, what did your previous dentist say? And they're like, no, no, everything's good. You know, no cavities. You see there's no cavities. You know, I need to floss a little better. Always get a little bit of plaque in this area. And for years and years, this guy's going to a dentist, and they just kind of reach up, and they're like, all right, we'll see you in six months. And nobody's even attempting or wanting to try and tackle something like that because it's a hard thing to do. In previous generations, that would be an ortho referral with lots of rubber bands and elastics and all kinds of hooker schmeitzer appliances. Nowadays with Invisalign, this is a pretty easy case. I'm going to show you how to do that case today. Ever had somebody come in, a lot of dentists do, a lot of pre-restorative work is a pretty hot topic now in Invisalign, and very often we see molars that have kind of tipped into the space. Here we have a right number 30 molar, and it's kind of tipped all the way in, right into the space of the open area where there's a tooth. It used to be a tooth there. We want to put an implant in, but that tooth is kind of tipped, you know, right into the place uh, of that implant and if you're going to restore that tooth and an implant patient just wants to restore the tooth that was extracted with that molar sort of tipped in it's kind of hard to do that this is something that comes up all the time and you can see the occlusion is kind of messed up here on that bottom right side patient's not even biting on it in a previous generation i would have sent this to a prosthodontist i'd be like hey this is way beyond look how that bone dips down all the way through the molar's not an occlusion the premolars aren't an occlusion there's spacing in the front this is a full extract that molar, extract the other premolar, maybe do a huge bridge, maybe do a open the bite, blah, 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 crowns on the top, crowns on the bottom. Nowadays with Invisalign, this is a fairly easy Invisalign fix. And with just a little bit of Invisalign intuition and know-how, I can upright that molar, close the occlusion, raise the level of the alveolar ridge, and then put a nice implant in. And then a third type of case that we often see is people come in and they have these crazy anterior open bites meaning they're not biting down with 75% of the teeth. Take a look at this guy. This is about a 12-millimeter anterior open bite in a class one individual. And you can see that this guy is just not functioning. And it's amazing to me, you can imagine a person like this, they're just not chewing their food. They're, they're, I mean, they're only biting it on about two, three pieces of food on the side. And in a previous generation, we would have said to this, dentist, this patient, I'm going to send you to a surgeon, and that surgeon's going to do a Lafort surgery and cut your jaw, and this and that, and you're going to be out of work for three to four months. Nowadays, I look at people like this, and I say, listen, all I need you to do is wear this piece of plastic, 
And within a year, I'm going to give you an incredible cosmetic smile and a really functional one. Because right now, you don't bite on any of your teeth. And how healthy and great it would be if you could bite down onto your teeth. I said, if we looked in your stomach and my stomach, all the, pe- all the pieces of food in my stomach would be like all chewed up and mashed. If I looked in your stomach, we would see like all your food kind of half digested, half whole. There's just no way that you're eating as efficiently as the rest of us. And trust me when I say you can guarantee a person like this has crowns on their molars because their molars are just taking a beating of wear. I mean, the whole jaw is just resting on this. So let's take a look at three types of cases. So number one, we have what we call a buckle crossbite. That's case number one. Now case number two, we have a molar uprighting. And then over here, we have an anterior open bite. And in a previous generation, all three of these cases would have been sent to a orthodontist, a prosthodontist, and an oral surgeon. And in today, just a little GP in New York, I could treat all these three with Invisalign, with my own hands, with no auxiliaries, no refinements, no additional aligners, no posterior open bites. And I want to be in and out of these cases within one year. So let's take a look and see how we can do that. We're going to break this down into three cases. Each case has a couple of learning tips that I want to teach you. And then at the end of today's cases, I want to show you the most exciting thing that I think ever happened to Invisalign. It's a game changer that I've been beta testing for the last few months, and I think it's going to be released uh, uh, either Monday or it's released today on your iTero system. And I think that this is going to change the industry of clear liners and scanning forever and going to be an absolute game changer. If you don't have an iTero yet, by the end of this conversation, you're going to have an iTero because the game for Invisalign is constantly changing. And in this month, in the next 48, 72 hours, it's about to change forever. But that's coming up at the end. So even after I finish the third case, don't hang up just yet because I'm going to show you the future of Invisalign and scanning and technology, and the game is about to change in a big way. So let's break it down. Case number one is a molar uprighting. Case number two is an anterior open bite. And case number three is a buckle cross bite. All right, let's meet our first patient. Patient comes in, and we're going to do some molar uprighting on this case. So let's get the story here. So the guy comes in. He's got upper spacing, lower spacing. Never bothered him. He's not, not that kempt of a guy. Just okay with it. Eh, it wasn't really an interest to him. But interestingly enough, if you take a panorex of him, this guy has an over-retained lower primary tooth. And that primary tooth, well, I don't have anything against primary teeth if they're fine and patient's comfortable with them, but that primary tooth, if you can see it, is way below the occlusal plane. just kind of got trapped in, and obviously this guy is congenitally missing his second premolar there. So it doesn't exist, and that explains why the roots for that primary molar are still pretty well entrenched in there. But the problem is, is that the way that tooth is positioned is a big food trap and really uncomfortable for the patient. So you can see everything is kind of going down there. He has, if you have a real good eye, you could see that that primary molar has some calculus on it. There's bone loss happening, and that bone loss is starting to affect the premolar and the molar next to it. In fact, the whole alveolar ridge there has kind of gotten sunken down because that premolar has impended the growth, and there's been a lot of periodontal disease and inflammation. So we see that, and, of course, you know, one of my associates says, well, that premolar, that, you know, that baby tooth's a problem, so let's pull it out. So they pull out the baby tooth. And that's what you see on the right-hand side. You know, uh, this is even before I even get in on this case. Patient wasn't interested in any orthodontics, didn't mind the spacing in the front, had a functional happiness to him, but just wanted to replace that tooth. So my associate treatment plans for them to pull out that primary molar. Good the guy doesn't get food caught anymore there, and he doesn't have any problems there, and the calculus is not there. All right. 
But now the other person in my office, the oral surgeon, is like, wait, open space? I love open spaces. So that guy goes in, and he quickly drops in an implant. But what he does when he puts the implant, as oral surgeons tend to do, see a space, fill a space, is they don't quite think about what the emergence profile of this implant is going to look like and how things are going to look at the end. And right away, I could tell if you could see it right at the top of the screen, there's no space for that implant to just kind of be restored. Everything's on an angle. The molar is pointing in. The premolar is pointing in as well, and that is a recipe for disaster. And this guy just pays the implant. So then this shows up on my desk, and they're like, David, you need to save the day here because we got a molar placed in. Uh, we got an implant placed in with a molar tipped right into it. The whole occlusion is open over there, and we're going to have a problem. So this guy's class one on the left side, class one probably on the right side. And we got upper and lower spacing, but we got everybody kind of tipped into that spot. Not just that, the cosmetics of that implant, if we left it as is, would be really, really bad. Because can you see how that molar, premolar area just kind of dips down into the premolar area? We have a real cosmetic disaster here. And any sort of implant that we place into there, any sort of restoration that's going to go on there, it's going to be a huge food trap in there. So. It shows up on my desk in the office, and it's time for me to save the day. And what I need to do is I need, I need to do some Invisalign here to try and upright that molar, try and close the spacing, create a nice interdental space for that future implant to be placed in. And that's the cast for Invisalign. Now, molar uprighting is usually considered to be very, very difficult with Invisalign. But in this one case, it can be very easy to do. And I want to show you why that's possible and how the sequence. So it's a pretty tall there. Now, and again, in a previous generation, I would have sent this case to a prosthodontist. I uh, would have had it mounted on a face bow and a blah, 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 and, you know, use all kinds of crowns on the top and crowns on the bottom and open the bite and close the bite and all sorts of things. Nowadays, I feel very confident just using Invisalign in my own office to reestablish an occlusion here, raise the alveolar ridge on the right side, and close all the upper and lower spacing, and do it all in one year with no refinements, no mid-course corrections, and no posterior open bites. Because that's really the game. That's really the cause. That's, what, that's, that's, that's my mantra of an Invisalign. I want to really kind of move everything, 20 aligners or less, no open bite, no posterior open bite at the end of the case, no additional aligners needed. That's the game. If you could do that, well, you're impressive in my book. So let's take a look at the treatment plan. This is going to be the ClinCheck for this patient. And I'm going to show you just what I can do with Invisalign. All right. So let's take a look at the ClinCheck treatment plan here. So we've got about 23 aligners plus three of uh, overcorrection. Let's take a look at the various aspects of what we're going to do. Number one, we're going to close the space on the upper. We've got a little bit of spacing along the upper arch. And I'm just going to kind of lingual constrict those guys in and kind of tuck them all the way in. That's how I like to close space in a situation like that where there's a flare caused by a tongue thrust. I like to kind of close those guys in. Let's take a look at a couple of tricks on how I close space. Number one, I like to put what we call horizontal bevel attachments on the premolars. That's kind of my secret sauce for Invisalign. So if somebody's on the phone call, don't tell them. 
But that's how I kind of get my Invisalign to be a lot more powerful than other people's Invisalign. I like those horizontal bevels, half is on a primo. That kind of makes it really, really strong. The second thing I like to do is I like to use bite ramps. I use bite ramps for pretty much all of my cases, and that helps prevent a posterior open bite by disarticulating the arches. It allows the arches to move much quicker independently of each other. So those posterior bite ramps, those are those blue things you see on those back teeth. That helped me do it. The other thing I like to do is once I get to 23, 23s, theoretically where all the teeth are touching. But when they're touching like that computer graphically, basically what it means at the end of the Invisalign case is that the first megapixel of one central incisor is touching the first megapixel of the other central incisor. And very often that does not lead to a very tight contact. What we want to do is we want to add three aligners, something called a virtual C-chain, to kind of push those teeth together really, really tight. Now, sometimes I use all three of the virtual C-chain. Sometimes I use just one. Sometimes I use two. Sometimes I use three. Till I get to that spot where the contact's really tight. Now, what's happening here in the ClinCheck is basically they're computer graphically moving one central incisor into the other central incisor. So computer graphically, it's almost like the teeth are melding into each other, one to the other. But what happens clinically is we wind up with a very con tight contact, as opposed to if I would just end the case at number 23 where the first megapixel of a central incisor is touching the first megapixel of the other central incisor, well, then I don't get a real very, very tight contact in practicality. And clinically, if you kind of blow some air in there, you'll be able to see some space because it's just not tight enough. So a virtual C chain is a nice thing to use on all spacing cases. I'll tell you where I don't use a virtual C chain, that's on a crowding case. No reason why you should have to use a virtual C chain on a crowding case unless you did IPR in a poor manner. In crowding cases, we're dying for space. The more space we have, the better. In spacing cases, we're trying to close space. So it always kills me when I get to see someone's clincheck and they have a virtual C chain on a crowding case. Right away, I'll say, oh, I guess I know how you do IPR, probably with a, a pizza cutter or a high-speed disc. Both poor ways of doing IPR. Let's take a look at the lower treatment. So the top team, we have some virtual C chain, and we're going from there. On the bottom, we have tooth number 20 over here, or 3-5 for our Canadian friends. And that tooth is rotated. Now, in that rotated position, I don't think that tooth takes up as much room as it could, and I want to kind of even it out. So I want to rotate that tooth to get that thicker part of the incidental contact into the middle, and the way that I do that is with a special attachment called the optimized rotational attachment. Looks like a little teardrop. I actually call it the raindrop attachment. I think that that attachment is kind of catching on. That's my own name, raindrop or teardrop. I think that's catching on. If you could say, call Costa Rica and say, I need a teardrop or a raindrop. I think they might know what you're talking about now. But the official name is the Optimized Rotational Attachments for Premolars and Canines. Previous to that, it was really, really hard to rotate a premolar or a canine. But with this little sucker, it's really, really easy. And that's an important distinction you want to make sure. So on the top, I had horizontal bevels. Those were for retention. But it would be a mistake to have a horizontal bevel attachment on this tooth here. On this tooth here, I want to have an ro optimized rotational attachment or a raindrop, and that helps me grab that tooth and spin it. And you're going to see without having to do any mid-course corrections or refinements, that tooth at the end will have spun perfectly because I have the right attachment on it. Let's take a look over here at the occlusion. Um, you can see my occlusion is wide open here on this side. On this side, the part of the goal of this entire treatment, 
really the reason, is we want to take this molar and we want to upright it into the right position. And I also want to take this premolar and I want to extrude it into the right position as well. Now, if you want to extrude a premolar, you need to use something called the G5 attachment. Looks like a little rainbow right here, and that's a very specific size with a nice activated portion and an easy sort of rounded bevel that allows the Invisalign to go over, grab that tooth, and extrude it all the way up into occlusion. If you don't have that attachment on that tooth, it's going to be really, really hard to extrude that premolar. So we want to make sure we have the G5 attachment on it. Now, on the molar, I'm going to jump into the molar extrusion here of uprighting a molar because I have one really good thing going for me. Molar uprighting with Invisalign is hard. And usually, I don't even attempt it unless we have the following. I have a space mesial to the tooth, and I have clearance clusally. You see how that upper right first molar, tooth number three or 1.6 for our Canadian friends. I see Dr. Tracy is on the call. Hey, Tracy. And Dr. Phil. Hey, Phil. And we want to extrude that lower molar into the upper molar, and to do that, we want to put a nice attachment on. Now, because that occlusion is open there, it's real easy to just grab that molar and sort of upright it and torque it right into the right spot. Now, had that number three, that 1.6, super erupted in the previous years and it was sitting right on top of this molar, well, that would be a really hard case because you'd really first have to get that upper molar out of the way because every time that patient bit down, they would hold that lower molar down into place. And even if you didn't, and they wore their Invisalign 23 hours a day, if that upper tooth was in the way when that lower molar upright itself, it would be in a hyper occlusion and you'd have a real mess of an open bite everywhere else in that spot. So I'm totally gung-ho on this case for those couple of principles. Number one, I have the G5 attachment on the premolar, which I know will grab that premolar and extrude it. And I know that I could take this molar and I could really upright and extrude it because I have such nice occlusal clearance for whatever reason in this case. The attachment that I'm using to upright the molar is a long vertical rectangular attachment, which is our preferred attachment when we want to torque and when we want to extrude molars. When we want to use a molar attachment for distalization molar or root torque or extrusion molar, this is the bad boy that we want to use, a long vertical attachment. I'm going to grab that and just kind of grab it in. Now, the other trick that you might be noticing right now, you might be on the phone and be like, hey, he didn't put a Pontic in. I could have put a Pontic into this area over here in the Invisalign. It would have been a little cosmetically nicer if somebody looked into this patient's mouth. But I specifically asked for no Pontic in this case. The key for that is, number one, this is not a cosmetic area. So this doesn't really matter if anybody sees it. If, if anybody looks in this guy's mouth and sees an open space, it's just not that big of a deal. Anyway, he had a primary tooth there anyway, and nobody cared about that. But if I go no Pontic, look what, look what happens with the plastic. The plastic comes over the teeth, comes over the premolar, and then it could slide right 
down the distal start of this premolar. So when I'm taking this premolar and extruding it out with Invisalign, which is hard, which is one of our harder movements, probably come up as a blue or a black on the treatment assessment form, because I'm gripping the tooth 270 degrees, almost 360 degrees because I have some spacing, oh man, I feel like I'm, I can mail that one in. I know that this tooth is gonna extrude all the way. Same thing on the molar, because I went no pontic, the plastic comes all the way down the mesial side of this tooth. I can grip this tooth 270 degrees, and I feel like I can pull it right out of the ground and pull it right up into occlusion. And what I'm hoping for, and what my oral surgeon is hoping for, and what the restorative dentist in this case, who's my associate is hoping for, is that if I can extrude these premolar and this molar slowly and comfortably like that, I bet you I can raise the alveolar ridge like that. That's not a cartoon on Invisalign. That is fully what I expect to happen. I know that that alveolar ridge is low and set down, and if I slowly pull them up, I know that I could pull the bone and the interdental bone with it, and man, wouldn't that make for such a healthier, nicer implant in that area with a better embrasure and emergence form all the way through. This has disaster emergence form written all over it. Either this is going to be the world's largest crown, if, uh, if I can even get an abutment and a crown in here with these guys tilted, this is going to be the world's largest crown. Am I just going to make the crown out of occlusion? This cannot and should not be treated without Invisalign. Now, again, a generation ago, I just would have sent this to the prosthodontist. But now, in my hands, I really feel like I can make some world-class difference. And the beautiful part, what am I going to use? Just a little bit of plastic. That's it. Let's take a look and see some of the principles here. Now, I'm a big fan of knowing attachments. If you don't know the names of every single attachment and what they do, you've got to go back to the books. You've got to get to a course, the re-engage course, some course. I think I have a, um, I think there is an Ask the Expert that I did a while back of all the names of the attachments. Go back, learn the names of all the attachments. It's really critical. It's hard to play in the game if you don't know the tools. And again, I know it's hard if you just joined in the last year or two to Invisalign because we add attachment every year or two. But Go back, learn the names. You know, they just released the G7 attachments, so we now have 12 attachments. There are 12 types of attachments out there. You should know all of them by heart. They're the key part for Invisalign. So right now, I always know that if I need to distalize a molar or I need to upright a molar or I need to extrude a molar in an uprighting direction, I know that I always use a long vertical rectangular attachment. If I'm going to rotate a premolar or a canine, I want to make sure that I have the raindrop or teardrop, officially called the optimized rotational attachment, which is just not so catchy. So I like the raindrop or teardrop attached for that. The attachment's really, really good. Comes with a pressure spot on a lingual that really helps torque and rotate that tooth. Uh, and it's important to know that that exists. The other attachment we showed you was something called the G5 attachment. That's used to both extrude premolars and to intrude anterior incisors. Helps create kind of an equal and opposite force, and that thing is really, really powerful. I'm going to be able to intrude lower incisors pretty, pretty well for the last couple of years now since they invented that. So let's take a look in case what happens. So we go through the case. I'm able to upright the molar, and then thankfully I'm able to put on a nice custom abutment for that. You can see the bone is kind of coming up to that level a little bit. Still a little bit of a dip for an implant. That's normal, but it's a heck of a lot better than it was. And then here is my final restoration. And you can see the occlusion on the right-hand side is nice and level to get my premolar in there, have a nice emergence profile, and this is going to make for a very nice long-term restoration. Here's where we started, and here's where we ended. 
Now I have a nice kind of occlusion all the way through. And we did it all with the Invisalign. Here we are before on the right-hand side, kind of ha on your left-hand side, kind of have a disaster, kind of everything's tipped in. Here I have my molars kind of come up. I got my implant there. Look at the alveolar ridge. Look at how on the left side the alveolar ridge dipped all the way down and then through some osteogenesis and low extrusion, I was able to kind of raise that whole alveolar ridge right up. And now I have a real nice occlusion all the way through. And this is something you could be very proud of. And it didn't take anything crazy. No appliances, no elastics, no this or that, no extra crowns, no shaving, no equilibration, just a little bit of plastic and intuition. Um, all right, let's get back to case one takeaway. Uh, number one, uprighting a molar is easy if there's occlusal appearance. But if there's no occlusal appearance, just be ready for a fight because it's hard to get that tooth to reposition into the right position when the upper tooth is smacking down against it all the time. And even if you get it into the right position, you're going to be in a hyper-occlusion all the way through. You're not going to, when you swing a tooth up, it's going to be higher than the original position of that tooth, which in this case was perfect because that tooth was on a lower splint. And once I uprighted it, it was higher, which was perfect for the into occlusion. But if it had been an occlusion beforehand, that would have been a big problem. Number two takeaway, extruding a tooth can allow the bone to remodel. This is a nice, nice thing to do with Invisalign. And kind of back in the day, everybody remembers seeing a journal article where they had a number eight or nine central incisor that was about to be extracted. And before they did that, dentists would put on a bracket or so and kind of extrude the tooth perfectly a little bit just to kind of create a little bit more bone for a future implant. That art and science is kind of lost nowadays. Very few people do that, but the science of it is still there and good. An excellent way to get ready for your implants is using this line. Fourth trick I used is that I went no posterior pontic. Boom. No posterior pontic allows me to grip that tooth on the distal and the mesial nice and comfortably. Fifth thing is you gotta learn the names of the attachments. Gotta know what's going on. Use the vertical root for it was a standard attachment for the molar. We had the G5 attachment for the extrusion of the premolar, and we have an optimized rotation attachment, what I call the raindrop attachment, and that was for rotating the premolar or the canine. The sixth trick I want to take away is that I use a virtual seed chain in this case to make sure that we close all the space all the way through. Those were the tricks that we used. Hello? Yep. All the way through. And here you can see the happy camper at the end, and everyone is in good shape. Spacing is closed. Still has a scruffy beard and messy hair, but he's got a real nice right side occlusion now, and all the spacing in the upper and lower is closed. Let's take a look at case number two. This is an anterior open bite. That's a big anterior open bite. That's about a 12 millimeter anterior open bite. This guy has cosmetic issues as well as occlusion issues on that anterior area. You can see, believe it or not, this is him biting down. This is his. This is his occlusion when I need him. And this guy's barely occluding on anyway. This is like 12 millimeters open anterior open bite. When I see this, this guy's like on the operating table about to be opened up with a surgery. And I kind of jump in there like, stop, put down the scalpels. Don't do the little fort. I think I can fix this with a midline. And kind of dramatic going in there and trying to jump everybody out. But much to my surgeon's amazement, we were able to do this case just in our little GP office with some Invisalign. Let's take a look and learn how to do it. The key to fixing an anterior open bite, and I'm super gung-ho about doing anterior open bites, is to understand the difference between relative extrusion and straight extrusion. 
Relative extrusion, when proclined anterior teeth can be tipped to the lingual, as they tip, the teeth will have a more elongated appearance. This helps deepen the overbite without really increasing the clinical crown mass. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's take a look at this woman swinging her feet. In this case, you can see that her feet are swinging out. Now, if you kind of picture the distance of her shoes from the bottom of her leg to the bottom of the screen here, Let's say, let's pick this point right here on the bottom. Make an imaginary line over here. Now, when she, her feet are down over here, the shoes are relatively close to the bottom of the page. Okay? But when they're over here, they're very far from the bottom of the page. Are her legs growing and shortening as she kind of pushes forward and swings? No. This is called relative extrusion. When something is proclined, when her feet are pointing all the way out, they have a more elongated appearance. They look much longer. When they're on the bottom of the axis, when they're more straight up and down, they're closer. Most anterior open bites can be fixed with this, and Invisalign is a tipping machine. Invisalign is amazing at relative extrusion. Sometimes Invisalign tips things even when we don't want them to tip things. So I think it's an amazing uh, tool for relative extrusion. Relative extrusion, I would say, has a good 95% success, and it doesn't need any attachment. It will do a really good job. That's as opposed to something that we call straight extrusion. Straight extrusion is when we go just straight down with something. Straight extrusion with Invisalign is a little bit harder. It has probably a 70% success rate. And when we do straight extrusion, we want to use something called the G4 attachment. It looks like a little skateboard ramp and it's specifically designed with different activation levels for central canines and laterals to kind of take teeth and just kind of extrude them straight down into the mouth, and that's important. Now, relative extrusion has about a 95% success rate. Straight extrusion has a 70% success rate. Let's keep that in mind. These are what G4 attachments look like, and we want to grab those four anterior teeth, and we want to just kind of push them down. Trying to extrude teeth without G4 attachments just will not work. So anytime you want to... See that. So that's going to be principle number one for this case. Principle number two is, if you don't know already, my claim to fame in this world is for inventing an IPR technique. It's called the GSP, the Gallery Spacing Technique. And basically, it's a very simple system that I created over 12 years ago. We use something called single-sided quick strips to break the contact, and then we use something called double-sided space files to open the contact to the correct space. And it's a sequence. And there is a video on it on the American Academy of Cosmetic Aligner, uh, Cosmetic Orthodontics website, or we teach it hands-on at the re-engage course. And basically give you the tools to use it. Once you get this thing down, lots of Invisalign cases become really, really easy to do. Um, it comes in endo-colored order, so when I pass the white space file through, and then I've created a .1 millimeter space, red, blue, and so on and so forth. That's how I do my IPR. Let's take a look at this ClinCheck. So this is going to be the clin check for my patient with about a 12 millimeter anterior open bite. And I'm going to show you how we're going to kind of change it all around. The two key principles for solving this is going to be understanding the difference between relative extrusion and straight extrusion and having the ability to drop 0.3 millimeters canine to canine. So if you're shaky with a handpiece or using a handpiece or a slow speed, this is obviously IPR you don't want to do. I would never do IPR here in the anterior area with a high speed or slow speed because you would shave off these line angles. These teeth would never look the same. But with GFT, this is relatively easy to do. Also key for this case is we have our horizontal bevel attachments on the premolars. So here's what I'm going to do in this case. We have about a 12 millimeter anterior open bite. That's a big open bite. 
But this guy's a class one occlusion, which makes you think this is not a skeletal problem. Little class two on the left side, there's class one on the right side, and canines are pretty much in class one. This makes you think it's kind of like a parafunctional habit. I think that got this guy into. He used to suck on bottles or something when he was young, and we kind of got this area here. So the first principle that we're going to do is we're going to use something called relative extrusion. See how those teeth are kind of flared out? We're going to relatively extrude them back for about 12 lines. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Okay, so I got 21 aligners of relative extrusion, just kind of tipping those teeth in. Now, that relative extrusion, that solves about 50 to 70% of the anterior open bite. So the anterior open bite is almost all solved by the time we finish it. Now, we're kind of like edge to edge here. Now, we throw on the G4 attachments, and now we pull for home. And this is what we call straight extrusion. So my secret recipe for solving an anterior open bite is to separate out the relative extrusion from the straight extrusion. Because the relative extrusion is like 95% successful and it doesn't need attachment. The straight extrusion needs attachment and it's only about 70% successful. But by the time that I get to the part that's only about 70% I'm already most of the way closed. Look at that. I'm already edge to edge by the time I got here. And now I just use that last little bit just to kind of pull for home. And I'm going to take a guy who's got a 12 millimeter anterior open bite and in the span of one year I'm going to pull him all the way in and it's dramatic but the crazy part is that's pretty easy it's not that hard to do let's take a look now people might be on the phone like hey how do i get that on eyes that this stuff is not default stuff for invisalign yet um i'd like to think one day it will be but right now you're like i don't know how to do the ipr i never even heard of this thing relative straight extrusion how do i learn all this well i have a course it's called the re-engage course it is the most comprehensive invisalign course on the docket it is two days long, full 48 hours worth of content. And we just go hardcore, eight to five. I have a recipe, I'm just a cook. I have a recipe for doing Invisalign and I can make that Invisalign cases dance. Privileged enough to have treated almost 2000 cases in Invisalign and I can make that Invisalign plastic dance. And I can make it do whatever I want to with teeth and kind of have a nice crew here. Um, I see a whole bunch of my, my people on the call here listening in and this would be great for you so if you're out there in america north america and you're like oh, i wish i knew more about invisalign i wish i knew the keys and tricks and stuff and i want to get it all in one shot you know and everything and i want to get impressions of photos and ipr and attachments i want to learn all the names of the attachments i want to learn how to solve some of these tough cases well maybe we'll get you into the re-engage course cool course we also keep together this group kind of have created about 15 groups at this point each group has nice president has a logo. I uh, see President Godin here is one of our things. These are some of the groups that pulled together in the last couple of years in 2016. And we're always creating new groups. Uh, you know, I want to try and get to about 1,000 people strong. We're about 500 now. So looking to put the groups. I do just have the schedule for 2017 on when that course is going to be available. It's not a sign-up course. You're not, you're not able to sign up for it. There's no link. What you need to do is you need to go to your rep and you need to ask them to nominate you to go. Got to kind of prove your worth to get into this course, kind of an exclusive group. But once you're in, man, super exciting. I can show you everything that there is to do. We're going to be in Calgary, Cleveland, Denver, New York, Vegas, Richmond, Tampa, Springfield, and Anaheim. So maybe I can get you one of those groups. Let's take a look and see if this works. So, oh, here we are, before and after, 
12 millimeter anterior open back, boom, 30 liners in, 30 liners out. No mid course correction, no refinement, no posterior open back. Boom. Which guy do you think is healthier? And the crazy part is all I use is plastic. That's it. Just plastic and a little know how. Here we are on the right hand side. You can see that flare. That's what I use with the relative extrusion. Got that closed up. Got no posterior open bite there. We're locked in nice and tight. Here we are on the left side. Got a nice occlusion there. Got rid of the flare. Here on the lower, got a nice wide arch, nice little expansion there, kind of filled out the arch. Got everybody into the right spot. Here's my upper teeth, nice into the arch. Again, a little bit of expansion, a little bit of IPR. Really set up some nice arch form, something to make Dr. Moralia proud of me with nice wide arch. And take a look at his uh, profile. Look at the improvement in his profile. Really nice, smooth profile. You can see he's really kind of prognathic because of those two teeth. But it wasn't a skeletal problem. It was a tooth problem. And tooth problem, man, this line's all over that. We don't have that kind of protrusion of his upper teeth. That would have let a generation ago, they would have cut this guy in half. They would have taken his, his jaw and cut it out in the fourth. Truth was there, that might have been the wrong way to go. Clearly in a class one flare situation, anterior open bite, clearly the way to go was with Invisalign. Key takeaways for case number two. Anterior open bites are excellent cases. I get super excited when I see an anterior open bite. I've done four millimeters, six millimeters, eight millimeters. This is a 12 millimeter anterior open bite. Got to understand the difference between relative extrusion and straight extrusion. And you got to program your ClinCheck to place the Invisalign strength with relative extrusion. Gallery spacing technique, key for using anterior open bites. You want to be able to get in and out of those teeth and do that IPR without leaving a mark. G-Forks anterior extrusion attachments will really, really key to pull those. And kind of where this all comes together, how you can learn to do something like this. And this is easy, huh? This is easy stuff. Any one of you on the phone now, if you just understand these five principles, jump into an anterior open bite tomorrow. Have beautiful results just like I could. Not really that much to it. The way we learn these things is through the Gala Reengage course, which is an Invisalign course that you have to ask your rep on how to get into. Cool. Let's go to one more case. And here he is, the happy camper before and after. No way. I mean, I don't know if I would do Invisalign for free if I was a billionaire, but I get so much enjoyment and excitement out of doing things like this with nothing but plastic and a little intuition. I probably would do Invisalign even if I was a billionaire. If anybody has a billion dollars and wants to spend it, I'll take my chances. All right, let's take a look at case number three. Here comes my friend, and he's got an anterior flare. So you're like, oh, okay. Laterals flared out. That looks like a pretty easy case, but that's not where the real case is. The real excitement is down here. He's got what we call a buckle cross one. He's got his premolar in full lingual aversion there. And that tooth is really in bad shape, getting bone loss, building up, has bad breath on it, really not occluding it at all. Really, really has to take a look at how far that little premolar is tucked in. When I first saw this guy, I said, all right, I'm going to extract that premolar. That premolar is gone. I had no idea that I would be able to take that premolar and put it into occlusion with Invisalign and under a year. So let's take a look. So the first thing I said, I was like, he was like, oh, I want to straighten my teeth out. I was like, perfect. What we'll do is we'll pull out that premolar and then we'll just kind of line everything because there was a little bit of crowding on the lower. So I was like, hey, we'll use the space of the premolar to solve the crowding. Sounds like an up and shut case. So I send in the ClinCheck and I get this back. Okay, let's take a look at the top teeth and do a little bit of proclination of the top teeth, a little bit of pullout, and kind of have a nice result, 18 aligners. But then I was like, let's take a look from the lower. Sorry. We have kind of pulled out that premolar. I got a little bit of crowding. I'm like, perfect. I'll use the space of the premolar to solve the crowding. And that was my first treatment plan. And I also, like, a little too much room was left there because the premolar space was bigger than the size of this incisor. So I had to kind of take those two molars, 
and I had to pull them to the mesial. I'm like, ugh, I don't love that. Anybody who knows me knows I don't love moving molars, especially molars that start off in occlusion. Look how nice class one occlusion these guys are in. Trust me, the last thing I want to do is move these molars out of occlusion into kind of a weird class three. Number one, the occlusion looks weird here. Number two, it doesn't even match together very well. I mean, it, it, it doesn't even, I don't even think it'll work. And even if it did work, the occlusion looks crazy. But that's not even the reason I looked at it. I was about to hit accept it, and then number one on the Gallic Check checklist is check the overjet. And I was like, whoa, there's a lot of overjet here. I think a person who's used to touching on their front teeth and biting down, and I gave them a good four millimeter overjet. Now, you can end a case with a four or five millimeter overjet if you started with a four or five millimeter overjet or something bigger. But if you started with kind of a closed anterior occlusion and you gave somebody that, that's not right. So I was like, all right. Gretel, that's the name of my tech. I'm like, let's go back to the drawing board. That plan will not work. So I'm like, you know what? How about I just leave it as is? I don't want any trouble. I don't. I want my cases to go smooth. I want to be in and out 20 aligners. Maybe I'll just leave that premolar where it is. Nobody knows the difference. Clearly, no dentist before me cared that much about it. I'll just leave that guy where it is, and I'll just straighten out the tooth. I'll get rid of that lateral. That's what he notices the most. I'll straighten this incisor, and I'll just leave it as is. And that would be really nice. I could be in and out, 17 aligners, just kind of line that up. I thought, ah, you know, I could do it, but it just doesn't look right. And also, even if I did it, I still, in this case, wind up with a whole bunch of overjet. And I was like, ah, I don't think that's a good plan either. I still have about, a, not as big as the other one, but I still have a two, three millimeter overjet, and this tooth's still stuck back there. So I said, all right, Gretel, let's go and get it. And we went through a whole bunch of plans, full clinch check plan number 57. I joke. But we went through a bunch of plans until I got it just right. And I was like, all right, we're going to throw everything we have at this tooth. I'm going to put this plastic on. And the Quincheck that came back, you know, they had this, this disclaimer on the side that said, hey, just know this might be a very difficult Quincheck to do because your tooth is in buckle crossbite. You might need a lap. Let's take a look at this, baby. Not only is it a buckle crossbite, it's actually tucked in behind that tooth. And I got to take that tooth, bring the lower teeth forward, and bring that tooth through the upper tooth, cross that like magic. And I want to do the whole thing in about a year, and I want to not use any left. Now, my overjet is really nice, have nice anterior coupling, have the upper teeth and lower teeth straight, got the proclination, and all the way through. So this, I kid you not, is a scary-looking move. i got to get that molar just a little bit out of the way, and then i got to throw that premolar right through the middle. Let's take a look and see if that works. Now, the key to this case is knowing, again, you know, if, if anybody saw the screen, it had 30, 30 aligners, and I don't like to be more than about 10 months with my aligners. So in this case, we decided to move the trays every week. Now, this is a very popular thing, and Invisalign just made their announcement last month that they're going to the seven-day trays, which is a kind of a game-changing play. And part of the Invisalign announcement is that if there are any blue or black movements on your ClinCheck, perhaps be careful not to move them every week. Now, that's sometimes hard for dentists, especially if you're treating as a team, to identify what are the blue or black movements. What if you miss one? What if you didn't see it on the screen? How do you know which ones to change at a week? So I created something that we call the Go Tooth Acceleration Chart. This was made over 200 cases with my friend, Dr. David Ostreicher, who's an orthodontist out in Long Island with me. And we kind of created what we consider to be the Bible for tooth acceleration. If you have a Tier 1 case, which is expansion of the premolars, lingually tip molars, buccal lingual crown tipping, lingual constriction, space closure, or procline or retrocline, you could change those aligners every week 
without even missing a beat. And this case, this case number three, was a total premolar tipping case. And the two, it's coming up very far, but that premolar is just proclining right to the buckle. A tier two case is something with a big rotation, uh, maybe a mandibular anterior intrusion, extrusion, or none. Those cases you could do every two weeks, in my opinion, without an accelerator, or every week if you kind of put some sort of accelerator in there, maybe a mop, which is a micro perforation, maybe a bipod, maybe accelerant, maybe a propel, something I feel to kind of help seat the aligners a little bit better. Something maybe you're just biting into chewies, but something the patient's doing to just kind of help it a little bit more. Those cases are usually tier two cases with something you'd be looking at the Invisalign website, you see it has like a little bit of a blue circle on it on the tooth assessment. So this is just a way of writing down in words what the Invisalign protocol is. These three cases kind of would use you know, a little bit more caution. And then tier three case is something that I would do every two weeks with an accelerator or every two weeks with perfect compliance or with lots of prayers. These are really hard cases. Rotations of more than 30 degrees of root torque, maxillary intrusion, or full translation. So that's a cute little tier system you could do. And I constantly talk to people and they're like, should I do this case in seven days? Should I go 10 days? Should I just watch it? And I just say, hey, why don't you just look at the tier system? If it's tier one case, you can change those every week. Tier two, I go, every week with something else on board or every second week. And that's just my own personal opinion with Dr. Ostreicher of what we should be doing. But seven-day change is super exciting, and I hope you get into that field. And I would recommend that you just kind of reference the GOES tier system. Just figure out which movements are easy. Here we are before and after. That tooth premolar came all the way in nice and perfectly, jumped right through the crossbite. Starting to single back one slide. Here we are. Barely can see that tooth, and in the end, that tooth is nice and in occlusion perfectly. I don't have a posterior open bite from an interference, but everything nice. Got my lateral flare back, and we're in good shape. And then here's the maxillary upper teeth. Nice finish, full-on finish. Got the proclination of the anterior teeth, and there we are at the beginning and end. Nice cases. So three takeaways from case number three. Number one, I always tried a couple of different clinics. Look, I was ready to sign the death warrant for that premolar. First time I saw it, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to use that tooth. And then in the clincheck visualization, I realized that that wasn't the best move. If you're going to be starting to think about speeding up trades to seven days, I would very strongly suggest you reference the GOAT tier system. Just kind of figure out which movements work really, really well with Invisalign, which ones are a little trickier. And you got to know if you're doing a buckle crossbite correction, that patient needs to wear it all the time. I tell these guys, listen, I tell everybody you need to wear it 22 hours. you got to push like 23, 23 and a half with them, okay, because otherwise that will never work. Now. Here we are before and after, and again, case number three. This is a case that really a generation ago would have been done with an orthodontist and a hooker Schlenzer appliance and elastics all the way around and around and around and around in two and a half years. And here we are. We did it in 30 weeks with Invisalign, no elastics, no posterior open bite, no mid-course correction in out. This is the kind of dentistry and exciting stuff you could be doing. But the last minute I have together, I want to just talk about one last thing that's going on right now. Uh, for those of you who have the Itero element, we are creating something new. It's called the Progress Tracking Scan. This is the future of everything. And we've been pushing for this for years, and they finally uh, took it off the shelf, and we have it now. Check out what's going to happen on Monday if you have the Itero element. You have a case. That's going on. And at stage 19, the teeth are supposed to look like this. And you've got 25 stages in this case. What you're going to do starting Monday, or as soon as you download the new IOSIM software when it comes into effect, whenever that one is, but I think it's soon, you're going to scan your patient in at stage 19. So I, last time I saw them was stage 12. We've been changing them every week. Now they come in at stage 19. And I want to know, hey, are they 
are they in the right spot or not? So instead of just kind of looking at the teeth and looking at the clinch checker, looking at the teeth, looking at the clinch checker, trying to figure out if the plastic is trapping or not, is that a bubble in there? Is there not a bubble? Is it seated all the way? Is it on all the way? What I do is my assistant takes a scan of the patient before I even come to the room. She takes a scan of them with their attachments on, everything, just where they are at stage 19. And then when I come into the room, she puts this up on the screen and I look at it. And here's what this says to me. The green teeth mean that these teeth are all exactly where they're supposed to be at stage 19, meaning the iTero software is taking a patient at stage 19. It's overlaying it with the ClinCheck, which is pulling off of my IDS site, and it's telling me exactly where I am. So this is saying, hey, David, all your maxillary anterior teeth, they're exactly where they're supposed to be at stage 19. Please continue the case with the rest of the treatment that you have. So then I said, wait, Dave, those lower anterior teeth, you see that dark black uh, color there? That means that they are a little bit behind of where they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be intruding, and they're just a little bit behind of where they're supposed to be. And I can actually take out, so this is where I'm supposed to be, and this is where my patient's teeth actually are. And I can overlay it at the same time. And then I can hit the super in position. I'd be like, oh, look at that. Look at where the teeth are supposed to be according to the ClinCheck at stage 19. And yet I'm a little bit higher than that. I haven't achieved all the intrusion that I was supposed to here. This case is starting to slow down. Now, it could be for any number of reasons, and that's a different story. Could be compliance, could be tight contact. In this case, you know what it was, why these teeth weren't intruding as fast as they should be? It was because I went to seven-day wear on this patient. And I went to seven-day wear on a anterior mandibular intrusion with nothing on board. And if I had just consulted my tier two system, I would have known, oh, Tier 2, mandibular anterior intrusion is a Tier 2. So I'm going to go every week. i got to have the patient biting into something or do some sort of osteoperation or some sort of vibration or something to help seat the aligners. But I was mistakenly thinking this was a Tier 1 case. And that progress assessment tracking, which is the greatest and latest thing to come to the iTero, will be good. So this basically means now, from now on, no more guessing about where your patient's up to. You're just going to go on, scan them in, every seven trays, every 10 trays, every 14, whatever it is, you're going to have them come in, and instead of looking at the tray and looking at the plastic and looking at the ClinCheck, you're, the, the computer's going to say, hey, Dave, you're in good shape on this case. Every tooth is in the exact right spot. Or it's going to say, whoa, this cane is a little bit off. And then I can troubleshoot right then and there and keep the case going on. This is the game changer of game changers, my friends. This is the biggest thing that's ever, ever come out of the clear liner industry. If you don't have an iTero element, hang up after this phone call and buy yourself the iTero element. Because if you don't have an iTero element, even if you're a steric or this or that or a three shape or blah, 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 you're not going to be able to use this software. This is software that's only available for the iTero element. And you need to use it. It'd be hard to talk to dentists who don't have this software. People who know me have been in my course know, but I've been talking about this for two years. And I'm excited to say November 1st, it is here. It's called the Outcome Simulator 4.0 Package. And it's a progress assessment tool. And it is the biggest thing to come out of this line. This is the Go Tier system. I hope to see you all at one of my re-engaged courses. I'll turn the floor back over to David Molman. Thanks very much, everyone. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Gallo. That's going to conclude the Q&A portion of our program. A couple of quick reminders. Please go to the link that's on your screen right now to take your survey and get your CE certificate. One week from today, this entire program will be archived at the Education tab on your Invisalign Doctor site. I want to thank Dr. Gallo for a great presentation and for all of you for taking time out of your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thanks very much.